Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, guys, this is a new segment we're trying out. Dave versus AJ, we're debating on a certain topic. Guys, what's the topic that we're speaking about this week? Well, you know, I had three actual options for this one, and I decided I'm going to throw an audible here and surprise AJ, because he doesn't even know. I had mentioned one. I'm going to go to another one. Terry Funk versus Rowdy Piper. Who had the better career? Damn, AJ. Since I'm surprising you, who do you want to pick? I'll take Terry Funk. That's fine. I put no effort into thinking about who I was going to do, so I'm calling this on the fly. How would you start by saying that Terry Funk had the better career? Well, first of all, let's be perfectly clear here, brother. I actually love the fact that this is spontaneous and that I have no idea what I'm going to be arguing before we go into it. I got the mouthpiece in and I'm ready for a fight. You feel the best about this right now. Terry Terry Funk is a former world's champion. He spent four years as the world's champion. How many years did Rowdy Piper spend as a world's champion? Did Rowdy Piper's dad have any input into the NWA at the time? Actually, by the time Terry Funk won his world title, his dad was dead. Dory Uh Funk was the champion. R.I.P. And won his championship before the senior Dory Funk died. I'm not trying to denounce Terry Funk at all. I just know that his family had more of an NWA tie-in than Rowdy. So I wanted to kind of level the field. Right, let's let's throw this out. Let's well, first of all, Rowdy Piper was an orphan, so we don't know what affect his parents. His parents <laughs> could have been way up in the NWA. Let's talk about our boy Scott. He had something to say on this one. Oh, I can't wait. Bring it. Actually, he agrees. God, he you says, ready to fight Scott? Let's get him out of the parking lot. <laughs> he said, I might have to take Funk over Piper. He had an NWA championship run. He even had the ECW title and a ridiculous amount of tag title runs and more legendary matches and more intense feuds. Piper was so great on the mic and could work a crowd almost better than anyone in his time. And he was both a nasty heel and a lovable babyface. But for some reason, he never got the push he deserved. His skills may have been more limited than Funk's in ring. And Funk may have had longevity on his side, but I don't want to take anything away from Piper. He absolutely helped establish the WF in those early days. He was in some key angles. Also, he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I feel uh, like Piper is almost on that level with Perfect, where they should have been bigger, but they served an up a higher mid-card role. All right, this is not going to be popular. Uh, first of all, we love both wrestlers. Let's be oh, clear yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. 
We love both wrestlers, but now I'm taking a heel turn. Rowdy Piper, for the last 20 years of his Take career, basically did the same thing night in and night out, came in with the same catchphrases. How many times have we heard him say, Oh, you think you have the answers, but then it changed the question. Oh, wait a minute. Now, what did Terry Funk ever do? Middle-aging crazy. First of all... Justice sucks eggs. Yeah, Terry Funk... Terry Funk is old and senile. Terry Funk (laughs) is a 60-year-old man was doing moonsaults. You know what Rowdy Piper was doing as a 60-year-old man? You know what he was doing? in a casket. You know what he was doing? Making money. (laughs) He was making money, and he was getting over. Really? When was the last time Rowdy Piper was actually instrumental in making money in an organization? What, when he was at the end of WCW, burying the company? Hey, 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 hey. Collecting a paycheck? Rowdy was fucking putting that over, He did have spots in movies. It may not bring in a ton of money, but that was income after the wrestling. He was able to get a couple TV pilots. Also, hold on, hold on, hold on. One thing, too. We're not saying the biggest thing Rowdy Piper was in the first ever main event of WrestleMania. Absolutely. Not a bigger thing in wrestling than WrestleMania. Absolutely. And Rowdy Piper in that time period, he's got a five-year window where he's absolutely huge. Where it's the dog collar match at Starcade all the way through to basically WrestleMania 2 where he's as hot as anybody on the planet. WrestleMania 3. Okay, so if you want to give him that window, consider six months on either side of the window. There's the come up and there's the come down. So that's easily another year. So he had a five-year prime, a six-year solid run. We also don't know what he did. Sorry to cut you off again, but we don't know what he did in the Portland Territory. Actually, we do. Tell That's, us about uh, I'm about to go there. I've actually watched old footage. He has battles with Playboy Buddy Rose where they actually in the Portland Territory tear it up with not only Playboy Buddy Rose, but also going back with the actual Barr family in that area, Jesse Barr, to name one. And don't get me wrong, that's absolutely tremendous stuff. And then he tore it up in Georgia, he tore it up in San Francisco. I'm not taking away from Rowdy Rowdy Piper's whole career. Let me read with the St. John bros. I'll go ahead. Bro, all right. Zach went with uh, Piper. He said, Piper, I'm going with Piper. He with Hogan really put things on the map with rock and wrestling. I love funk, but Piper, even in his last days, felt important, important, especially when he debuted in WCW to take on Hogan. Never thought he was a great in-ring wrestler, but brought intensity like crazy. I watched his entrance at Mania against Hogan and Mr. T, and the crowd hated him. Amazing talent that made you care. One way or another. So again, you know, the awesome heel. So actually, let's talk about that for a second. Let me ask you this. Who's a better heel, Piper or Funk? Just a, a quick one. You don't, I don't want you to go detailed on this because I'm going to ask you. Who's the better babyface, too? Better babyface, I think, was Piper. Better heel, I believe it or not, I actually think was Funk. Okay. Now, let's be honest. Let's be real about this. And I'm not saying you still have a good point with Funk. But let's just argue this. Because I'm arguing this on the fly, too. And I think we'd agree on this. Piper was that much more of a better babyface than Funk. Not to say that Funk couldn't babyface, but Piper was that much more. But when you're talking heel, we're talking you could argue either one, right? Yeah, you can go there. Don't get me wrong. However, here's the big thing about Piper. A lot of what Piper did in the 80s, if you go back to the 70s and you take a look at the out-of-controlness of Terry Funk, and even when Terry Funk came to the WWF in the 80s, that out-of-control looks awful similar. Yeah, I would agree. I think some of that is what Piper saw from the Funks. Or not from the Funks, I shouldn't say that. Because Dory was the most boring wrestler on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, from Terry. 
<laughs> I want to say, so I'll, I'll put in what Jake had to say too. Jake went with Terry Funk. He said this one was real close, real close. Two of my all-time favorites. Terry's longevity and his NWA title reign just put them just a little bit past Rowdy, even though Rowdy had some of the most mainstream credibility. Terry still had a decent acting career too. So, okay, so right now, what are we with these votes here? Scott and Jake went Terry. Yep. Zach went Piper, and Randy didn't give me an explanation, but he went Piper as well. But we haven't even gotten to the most important thing that I was going to go into about Terry Funk's career. Could Randy be influenced by growing up in the Northeast and maybe not paying attention to Funk's runs in the NWA and elsewhere? Like, mm-hmm. could he have that WWE body? Well, we haven't heard what Randy said yet. We do have one. He, he just didn't said Piper. say anything. Oh, he just said Piper. He, Piper. he went with Piper. Yeah, so that's why. So we're tied two and two in those votes. We have one other vote. From a uh, fellow uh, member, you know, fan of the fan of the show, Mike Flynn, and I, I don't know this one actually, by the way, guys. So let's take a look. Piper Funk, excellent question. I would give the edge to Piper. He set the standard for someone who can easily be a mega heel or mega face. His interview style influenced generations, as he is a global icon. Okay, so let's go back to something we talked about on another episode. Who drew the damn house? Rowdy Piper or Terry Funk? So here's the thing, AJ. As you're debating all this, I, I haven't thought about it this week. And I'm kind of agreeing with you to a certain point. You're winning me over. And now as I look at this, I'm like, I'm like who drew the damn house? Wait Piper drew the damn house more than I'm going to debate that with you right now. Yeah, go ahead. Because I hear what you're saying. Piper drew the house sure with did. Hogan in that time period. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Yeah, he did. But who draws the house for the NWA championship when he goes from territory to territory and literally is drawing the house in How long did Terry Funk have the NWA title? Four years. Terry had it for four years? I want to say four years. <laughs> Let's look, look it up. up. Let's look it might only be up. two, but even if he... Let's look at this right now. Terry Funk. Baby. It might be Dory who had four years. I, I believe be it is Dory to had. <laughs> but either way, to draw the house as an NWA champion, the reason why they put the belt on you is because you have to draw the house everywhere you go with every person who can only work a certain style. The whole time that Rowdy Piper was at to- on top, who was he working with? Well, I mean, Piper was on top with Hulk Hogan, obviously. Yeah. You know, and Piper had other great guys in that area that he was on top with. Ooh. But well, you're talking about house shows and stuff, though, too. Yeah, Piper no, and I know, but my point is not only that, is ECW ECW without Terry Funk? Terry Funk had the title for 424 days, so a little over a year. Sorry, a little bit over a year. <laughs> Freaking Terry Funk is ECW ECW without Terry Funk. So, Joe, who do you uh, think? Who do you pick here? Right now, we got a slight nod for Piper. Oof. You could tie it up, baby. It's. It's like Funk has more in-ring stuff that puts him over. Mm-hmm. I feel like Piper is more the total package stuff that puts him over because he has more right. promos. He has like his own interview segments. Right. If I had to pick one, I want to pick Piper, but I have to pick Funk. Okay, here's the thing. I, I also to... want to talk about movie careers. So we're tied. We're tied right now in our votes, and there's me and you here. And I, I haven't decided really who I'm going with yet. Here's the thing, though. You're talking about Funk drawing. Right? By himself. And so that, and that's Funk's right. slightly more over now without your two guys' votes. No, we're tied. Okay, we're tied. We're dead tied, yeah. So here's the thing. Hey, you tied Flynn. Yeah, oh, okay. You tied, yeah. So here's the thing. It, you're right what you're saying. Funk is going off. Right? Here's what you're doing. You're underestimating the drawing power of that era of the WWF. All right? Rowdy Piper drew money, and that is the greatest profitable era in pro wrestling. And it eats you up a little bit. 
That's area number one. It's actually not the most profitable area. The attitude area is actually more profitable. Oh, okay, okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough years later. But you know what I mean at the time. The most profitable of golden era wrestling up until the 90s. But in fairness, Funk was in the WWE for that too until until his horse got sick. <laughs> well, that was later on, actually. <laughs> that was in the 90 Survivor Series, 94. <laughs> no, no, his horse got sick twice. One time. I'm was... sure it did. <laughs> no, Funk. Uh, was due to a fond Funk had, yeah, Funk had a part. He was in that mid, upper, mid card range at that time, while Mahoney Piper was busy main eventing on the real shows, the WWF shows. But how much of that was because uh, Vince McMahon won't put anybody from the South over? I don't know about that at that time <laughs> period. That's not fair. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Actually, Terry's stuff in the WWF was great. I oh, yeah, love when he stuff. chases around the freaking ring announcer. Terry played a fucking racist to a certain point. Like, that would not get over now. But the reason why but, he played that is because that's how Vince McMahon sees people from the South. The stuff, Josh Dunn actually uh, uploaded a video on Facebook. It was an old TNT thing where Terry's getting into it with Lord Alfred Hayes. And Vince is like, come on, Alfred's a nice guy. You like Alfred. And Terry called him a jackass. And he's like, you don't know Alfred? And Alfred's like, he knows me. He'll never change. His whole family won't change. And Alfred, Tom Funk's like, don't you talk about it. Tony Gurria comes in. And uh, Vince is like, yeah, Tony's here. You know, they're chasing his son. And then Tony starts hitting a girl at the bar. And Funk's like distracted. And then you see Funk just takes a glass bottle and breaks it over Gurria's head. It's great shit. I love it. And like I said, I'm not taking anything away from Piper. For that time period, in that block, he's as big of a supernova as anybody in the organization. He's the bow as quick as a cat. But like we talked about... I asked you a question earlier. Is ECW ECW without Terry Funk's influence? Yeah, if Terry Funk that. doesn't come there and make the talent the way he made that talent, he made, and you can argue this, I know mm-hmm. that obviously went on to become Mankind and stuff. Mm-hmm. Does Cactus get the rub without his work with Terry Funk? Does Ta- does um, Raven get over the way he did without his uh, fighting Terry Funk? Does Sabu look as crazy as he did without fighting Terry Funk? He puts over yeah, Steve so. Carino at the top of MLW, too, as well. Great. Him and Dusty both <coughs> Wonderful. do a job as putting... Wonderful stuff. Terry's one of the all-time greats. We're not arguing that, right? We're arguing mm-hmm. to shades he's better. I go back to the money argument, to what Al said. What drew the house? Hogan and Andre over Steamboat, right? At the end of the day, Rowdy drew with Hulk Hogan, yes... But would Hulk Hogan, and this is the big question we've always wondered, would Hulk Hogan be the epic major star, the biggest star of the business, without Rowdy Piper? But Hogan drew a different... Hogan's most money that he drew... I disagree with that. Hogan's most money that he drew was not with Piper. The main event of WrestleMania 1 is a tag match. The re- main event of WrestleMania... That was Hogan and Piper. The, uh, I hear you. But the yeah. WrestleMania 2 had nothing to do with Piper. He what if Flair team. ended up in WWE but, that early? But Piper early was the, the dynamite. That, and you, that's and you, what blew it up. And you can't tell me that Piper's match at WrestleMania 3 was anything but a footnote. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying, though, well, let's put it this way. Is Hogan a bigger deal to face Andre years later without Piper? I, I hear you. That's I'm the, asking you. So, okay, so I'll answer I'm not saying, question. that doesn't answer the question. Yeah, answer, I, answer I don't question. think it is. I think when he came in and the way he came in and they brought him in with the Iron Sheik, mm-hmm. I think that gets him over. I think you can actually replace Piper with Dr. D. David Schultz sure. and have the same effect. Okay, now let me ask you this then. I think you could have replaced him with Terry Funk Okay, and had the same effect. Okay, okay. So you think it had to be a certain heel. You don't think that there was... I think it's the style of the heel... And it's how over Hogan was. And I'm not taking anything away from Piper. No, no, no. The reason why I was trying not to answer that was because I knew my answer wasn't going to be for Piper. Mm -hmm. Because I honestly believe what I'm telling you, that you could have replaced him with any one of those three guys and had the same effect. 
So not necessarily. You're not saying they're replacing Orndorff. Hmm. Well, and Orndorff has nowhere near the personality. I don't know if guys. Orndorff could have got it done, and I love Paul Horn. Yeah. You might be right with Terry. I'm stretching it with, with David yeah. Schultz. Yeah. It was a certain mic skill. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. All right. So at the end of the day, we can't have a fucking draw. On by the way, debates. by the way, one of the most memorable matches of. We could, and we could put it out to the fan base. One of the most. Five three ones often end in agreement. Now, hold on a second. I want to put one more thing out there for you. Okay. One of the most memorable things that happened, I think you can agree, in the late 80s is Terry Funk putting the bag over Ric Flair's head. Yeah. And pile dr- being the first person I saw try to pile drive somebody through a table. Yes. Even though the table did not give. Let's go back to this one more time. I just want to make sure I got this. Through. Who did draw the most money? I think when it comes to wrestling, are we talking about in that time period or longevity? Because Funk's career stretches out all the way from like... 70 him being on top mm-hmm. all the way through ECW. But Piper drew more money in uh, WCW at the same time. I guess. So so I guess technically you can say Piper drew more money. But all right. At the end of the day, we're going to call this one because I don't really know where to fall on this. So we'll put it out to the people if they want to decide. But we're going to call it a draw based on I think that. the simple fact of the matter is that... I'm this focused and still willing to this much give it to Terry Funk. The fact that old wishy-washy Dave over here doesn't know where to Producer drop it. Producer Joe's got to put out the wins. door. I'm trying to wrap it up. <laughs> this fucking I'm just hot in this room. I was trying to get into the cool living room. I'll sweat all night for I'm you I'm trying fans. to spare Joe's life. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Hey, guys, let's return to this. Let's put it out to the people, see where they fall. And hopefully we can put it on next week's episode. Let us know what you think, guys. If you think it was Terry Funk, then we want to hear from you. If you think it was Rowdy Piper, keep it to your fucking self. (laughs) All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Absolutely. You know, one thing I want to ask about, like you talked about the uh, the Trunks exploding incident with Zack Ryder. Now, obviously that was tough at the time, but now, like you said, like you can learn to capitalize on that a little bit. Is part of that, like, as you, like for me, I don't know, getting older, you realize you can like, it's almost like a, it's an asset to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at situations that were difficult at that time. Um, Do you feel like that's something as you got older, like, okay, I can kind of like joke about this now and deal with this better or just curious? The, uh, I think the first five years, there was no uh, laughing about it. When that happened, I only wrestled a year longer. I was 35, and you think about that now, it's like, God, 35, AJ Styles is 40, and this is, yeah. I, I was 35, and I was like, I'm done with this. Because it's like, I, I, in my mind, I couldn't go back. I, I didn't even contact the office again. I was so upset, and you talked about Al Snow earlier. I was on a show with Al Snow there. And he, he even told me back then, but it just, it just didn't dawn on me. He goes, Rory, do you know, do you know how many times the audience has seen my junk? It's not the end of the world. <laughs> because, uh, Al Snow used to get ribbed by, uh, Mick Foley. They would hold him up in the air, uh, for the vertical suplex, and Mick would use his other hand to kind of grab on that, uh, singlet. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess the ball sack would, would hang out. Yeah, I had, I had no idea. It's just, I, I was so embarrassed, no one in the office said anything to me, so I was like, you know what, I was so burned out on just wrestling on the independence, it's like, if I can't be in WWE, I can't do this, 100 people in the crowd anymore, it's like, I don't want to do this, I'm tired of being broke, I want money, so I got out for four years, and I think around the fifth anniversary, Ryder put like a happy anniversary, or he put something on Twitter that kind of gave me that itch again, and I didn't really do anything about it, but uh. That 10th anniversary is when uh, things really started to happen with 
and I thought, you know what, I've got to capitalize on these things. It's like, my name gets thrown out there. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho, I made it into Chris Jericho's book about the exploding chunks incident. It's like, look, you got the, these couple things you're known for. It's like, now it's nostalgia, but if you're a, but if you're a heel, you look like the has been off MTV, and that's great. You can brag that like you're the you're the star of MTV, and you get heat for acting like you're this big star. But it's, you know, yeah. it, it works in a way. As a good guy, it's nostalgia, but as a bad guy, you brag yourself up. You're has been, and it it really worked out. A hundred percent. How did they approach you? How did MTV end up approaching you? I never actually heard that story, so I'm curious. That was another thing, the time-honored tradition in wrestling where one wrestler screws up, another wrestler gets the opportunity. Like, for instance, Triple H, a young Hunter Helmsley, he did the curtain call. He was supposed to win King of the Ring that year. we got to punish him. He's the only one left that we can punish. We can't mess with HBK. So, let's take his King of the Ring crown away. Let's give it to Steve Austin. Mm. Austin 316 is born. So, the MTV thing happened. We had this kid, Matt Tagley, a, a spoiled kid from Chicago. Originally... He was he was picked. They brought him out to out to Cincinnati. They were going to film his training and outside the ring as well, going to the gym, doing whatever. But uh, just the whole key thing was it was based on three stars: one guy at the beginning of his career, one that's going to be the champion, and then one guy that's at the end of his career. So you know, you had Tony Atlas and Triple H. All three stories going. And this kid couldn't just go to training every night like he's supposed to. We had training, like, say, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Sundays. And he could not do that. He always had, he's a rich kid, so he was going to the bars every night and staying out way late. And I would, I would have to go to the motel he was staying at and pick him up. And the curtains would be, would be drawn at 5 o'clock at night. So he probably got in at like four or five in the morning and then he would sleep till five o'clock at night and he uh, just wasn't showing up for training and uh, he was already, it's like on the video, he was already telling girls that he was a pro wrestler but he only been training for a couple of weeks, which that'll get you red hot. And eventually he ended up having a severe drug problem and he got shipped off to rehab and uh, during that time, uh, Bank Starver, the producer of the show, went around interviewing different students and he really liked my story the fact that I'm this young kid from Watkins, Iowa never even have left the state of Iowa I picked up everything I had and moved out to Cincinnati because I just was not satisfied with going to Whirlpool or Man Refrigeration Factory day in, day out and it was killing me to watch every Monday night and think, God, can I do this or not? I have to find out because if I never go I'll be miserable the rest of my life so I picked up everything and moved out there and I guess it came across well to this to this producer, like, hey, why don't we try out this Iowa kid since the Chicago thing's a bust. Let's follow him in training. And then, boom, off we go. I'm already getting an opportunity, and I haven't even had a match yet. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I guess it goes to the say, right? Just uh, always have your gear ready. Just be ready for anything and try, be willing to do it. Yeah. And uh, when I had my first match, I had to actually buy him from one of the other kids training there. This real good kid from Texas. He, he didn't like wearing his wrestling boots. He liked wearing what's those other other shooters they have, the, the little black shoes. They're not Asics, but oh, they're something else. Yeah, yeah. Roddy Strong would wear them sometimes. Those little yeah, yeah, those things. But anyway, he, he, he preferred wearing those. So I took his wrestling boots, and I'm like, hey, let's, let's use this kid. Oh, by the way, uh, another funny Les story. Les was so serious about you wearing wrestling boots on his show. That kid, his name was Jeremy Jett. <laughs> he, he, he's in the ring having a match, 
and Les is dangling the the wrestling boots off to the side of the side of the building like what's he doing out there in them damn shoes <laughs> that was great oh before I forget about also about Les's dedication to his students I don't know of anyone doing this now but uh, back in the day we had Sunday training and you know what uh, we're, we're young kids in our early 20s we're not looking forward to a Sunday morning training you know we're going to the bars Friday Saturday nights mm-hmm. if there's no wrestling shows and boy, if you didn't show up for training at, at 11 on Sundays, I guarantee you this was going to be on your voicemail. On the, this is back, this is just, you know, the answering machine in your house. Right. This, for example, this was mine when I didn't show up one time. Yeah. Okay, phone rings. Hello, this call is for Steve Moss. This is Les Thatcher. And your ass is grass. Click. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh shit, training Monday's not going to be very fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but you know what, it's that kind of passion, and he had ideas of making you guys better wrestlers, and you know, it's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure you would say you definitely probably owe a lot of success just in your life to Les, I imagine. Yeah, and, and screen show with Les, if he's already in the office, you can come to training early and then work on little spots that you watched in matches. You know, like, usually everybody at wrestling's got one person they really get along with at training and then they want to work on moves together. So, I mean, me and Jeremy Jett, we come, we come before training and we, we do some Owen Hart stuff from New Japan or uh, Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid stuff. And, you know, we work on all these little spots and these moves. And, and then Les would even let us... If he's still in the office after training, we could work on stuff. That was when you worked on new moves because at training, you're learning how to bump and put on little matches. But when you want to work, you want to freestyle and work on other stuff, you did it before or after training. And the ones that usually did that were the ones that were the most successful. And unfortunately, you know, he passed away. And it sounds like she would be open to possibly him being honored by somebody else. So... Uh, who knows, maybe if New Japan somehow chose to honor him. There are other pro wrestling halls of fame out there. So, yeah, the Alley. Yeah. I want to say there's, there's that one Cornette just mentioned on I, his... There's on one his, in, uh, like, uh, Waterloo, Iowa, I believe. I want to say it's the Danny Hodge one. I've heard uh, of a Waterloo one and then one in New York that I'm aware of. Yeah, the Dan Gable one, maybe? Dan Gable, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Then there's that one that Brian last mentioned on the past experience that's in New York because they have the uh, original Bruno belt. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple different ones. And just to see, I mean, however Owen can be honored that his wife is comfortable with is perfectly fine with me. It's just, it's good that she's able to keep such control of his name. I mean, that WWE DVD that they put out a couple years ago was a pretty cool thing to get of his, but it's almost like, I don't know, however she wants him to be represented. I just really like the way they told the story. And I'm excited for Dark Side of the Ring Season 3. What stories do you want to kind of see them tackle in that one? Oh, God, I just had this conversation with Sheath, actually, um, not too long ago when the season ended. I feel like you definitely have to do a Mitsuharu Musawa episode. Maybe with the language barrier, that might be tough because I feel like there'd be a lot of subtitles in that episode. True, unless maybe, you uh, had maybe like Dave Meltzer serving as 
maybe Meltzer's the wrong pick, but some kind of English-speaking person that's knowledgeable about Japanese wrestling might be like a good narrator, and that way it'll make some of the foreign language stuff a little easier to take throughout the episode. Yeah, I feel like maybe a Chris Adams episode, Pedro Aguayo Jr. I'd like to see them talk about Victor Quinones because he was a very interesting guy. Do you think that would almost be like a Herb Abrams sleeper episode? Yeah, I I really do because I feel like Victor Quinones in and out of wrestling, there's been too many rumor and innuendo about the man he was and what he did in the wrestling business all that. I'm not going to go into it now because that guy really seems like an interesting character. But other than that, I mean, there's definitely more stories to tell. I'm just trying to remember what else Chief and I covered. It's tough because it feels like they've got the biggest dark side stories. They've even covered a couple, like, I wouldn't have thought New Jack, but then once you cover the story, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it. To me, it just showed how great a character New Jack was. I mean, maybe to the detriment of his real life. You know, like, he, he blended that line so perfectly that... I mean, isn't that what you're looking for in a professional wrestler, dangerous or not? Yeah, that was definitely, uh, I feel like that was a sleeper episode because, you know, I felt like a lot of people knew what they were going to see when that episode aired. And then I learned a lot more than New Jack than what I already knew. Oh, yeah. I read New Jack's book after that, too. And it's the same kind of tone. Like, yeah, I went out and did an eight ball that day. And then I went to the show intending to kill that motherfucker. And it was I can't like, believe you Jesus. threw him off the scaffold like that. Yeah, like, I mean, tased him and the then threw him off. Years. And it was crazy because that was a receipt for something that had happened years earlier. And in his book, New Jack talks about how, like, I was nice to that motherfucker for a long time just to, you know, kind of ease him into the fact that we could get this match going. And then he goes, once we got the match, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, he called him out on his on the old bullshit, and then what do he do? He tased him in the neck, and then just threw him right off the scaffold, bombed away. <laughs> yeah, and with uh, <laughs> when you view like the mass transit is- incident and Gypsy Joe, of course New Jack wasn't in the right, but it almost feels like, in a way, mass transit and Gypsy Joe, in their own way, I mean, disrespected New Jack, not full on, but in a way that. In the wrestling business, I think people might be a little more aware or a little more, I don't know how to put it, but like serious about respect. And if you're New Jack and you're feeling disrespected in that moment, especially with Gypsy Joe, you're hitting this guy and he's not selling. Like, what do you do? You just keep beating on him. And it, Yeah, I mean, definitely in the wrestling business, if you're a guy coming in for territory or a promotion, and you want to start calling the shots, depending on what your reputation is and what your resume is, you know, the veteran or whoever you're working with, the regular for that promotion, is going to get offended. Like, listen, man, you know, this is my town. We're going to do what I want to do and not what you want to do. I mean, I could see it back in the old territory days, you know, if Rick Flair came into, like, Dallas or something with the belt, you know, they're obviously going to want to do what Rick Flair wants and not, say, like, the Terry Von Eric, maybe, unless, you know... Depending how much say Chris had over it, but you know what I mean. Uh, unless David's dead, and then it's like, fuck, let's put yeah. the belt on Carrie. Yeah, exactly. You've said before how you have kind of a very specific 
schedule of watching wrestling. Can you give the fans a little preview of it? And do you know what I mean? Where I, I believe you said you watch Mania and then you kind of dip out for the summer, pick it up again around SummerSlam. Kind of what's your cycle of watching wrestling and how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected it? Well, usually in the past, I'd say about the past, um, up to about 10 years, what usually happens is after WrestleMania, you know, and that's around the time baseball season starts. I'm a big baseball fan. You know, NASCAR's going on. I'm a big NASCAR fan. I'm more focused in on those two sports rather than wrestling. And wrestling kind of gets put by the wayside. But, you know, I'll still read the sheets online, keep up with the results. And then I usually pick it back up around SummerSlam. And then after that, um, once the winter hits, and there's just only really football and hockey going on, I usually start picking it up right back again, I want to say, about the Royal Rumble, and then I'm like full-fledged in. But with the pandemic going on, and these, you really don't know the hell each promotion's going to put out with no fans. And, you know, we saw that with the cinematic matches we've had. Other than that, I mean, with the pandemic, and, you know, not much to do with a lot of stuff in public being closed, and, you know, them wanting people to sell quarantine and stay home if you can i revisited a lot of stuff that i used to watch i definitely watched some old ecw definitely some old pay-per-view matches from wwe i kind of lost sight of nwa power once they went off i wasn't really too interested in what they posted on their youtube channel for older stuff i definitely kept up with aew and trying with nxt it's a little tough sometimes because with the pandemic i definitely got back into gaming because, you know, all this time at home. And, you know, I, other than that, I've really enjoyed the um, Undertaker Last Ride series. I've heard very good things about the series. I'm a little hesitant to watch just because I've seen a little bit of the Undertaker talking regular, but so much of the Undertaker to me is just that character that I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to meet Mark Calloway necessarily. Yeah, this was the first time that they've really opened the doors on his personal life. And, you know, once you see the house he lives in, what you can understand now from all the money he's made, he's got a wonderful house in Texas. What else? I mean, the way he explains his injuries and all that and why, you know, he's really done what he's done the past, I want to say, you know, 10 years with WrestleMania, with, you know, all right, Mania's coming up. It's time to get into shape. He has the match. And then his lingering injuries he's had over the years, after the match, he's like, oh, damn, I'm really in rough shape. He ends up getting a surgery or two, and then Mania comes around. He starts training again, and then, boom, you know, he's back at Mania. He goes in-depth talking about the streak ending with Brock and about all that, and he wasn't really happy with the match, and then that's why he came back and all that. But it's a very good series. Welcome to the 531, where we debate a top five list on a particular subject, further discuss it down to a top three, and then eventually settle on a top one. Now after this beat, we'll get to today's subject.
Welcome back for another week of the 531. This week, we're doing the top five WrestleManias. First off, I got Chris Zauha from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. Zauha. And he's got three, 17, 19, 23, and 30. Okay. I think we're going to see three and 17 out here a lot. Do you think it's weird that Randy Osga is not a member of the Rockin' Randy Wrestling Group? You would think he'd be the founder, but is mm. he more rocking it or is he more rolling? He's both. He could be both. You met Randy. He's rocking and he's rolling, baby. He's <laughs> rolling. So who do you got first on your list, Dave? All right, I'm going to go with Sal Renaro of NWA Wrestling fame, former guest of this show. He gave me a real in-depth list. In-depth. Excuse me, fellas. He had number one. He had WrestleMania 12. That was the first time he ever attended a show, and he was all about the boyhood dream with Shawn Michaels. That sounds a little weird saying that out loud, but he was really a big fan of that promo <laughs> and that angle. It, uh, was, it was a coming-of-age moment. Yes. Uh, he also liked WrestleMania 31. He said he thought that was the best of the modern era, and he, uh, I think, had a big thing with that was because you know that was where Seth Rollins cashed it in, and I did like that ending where Brock was wrestling Roman. It was actually one of the better matches Roman ever had because I thought Roman shit the bed the following couple years in the WrestleMania main events with Triple H, Undertaker. But that one with Brock was very hard-hitting, and then Rollins catches it in at the big surprise. So I like that one personally, too. 17, you know, 17 was great. He said, I know it's near sacrilegious not to have this as your number one, and it's generally it's hard to argue that. But he just, you know, he had preferences for the other ones. So WrestleMania 20, the moment at the end, I think this did that validated, you know, Benoit and Guerrero. That was huge for him. And his number five was WrestleMania 10. He just said, I love the new generation. Okay, I want to say something real quick here. And I know that's a surprise because I don't say a lot. Mm-hmm. But Sal Renaro, love you. You're great. Love watching you on NWA. However, 31 is a piece of shit WrestleMania. <laughs> other than Seth Rollins it, it was just straight garbage. What they did to Sting and the way they felt that the WWE finally had to bury WCW by burying the icon Sting, it, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I think you might be the only person ever to actually enjoy what they did to Sting. I don't know if he enjoyed that particular part, but he did enjoy I mean, it was a good show in a lot of ways. If, I mean, if that soured you, if you're just a huge WCW fan, and more important, if you were a little stinger... I could see where that would upset you, but... I fall you know. into all of those categories. <laughs> For the most of a part, piss on that, as the great Steve Austin would say. And I say, let's go on to another list. All right, so for the next list, I've got Kevin Dignam from the Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. He's got WrestleMania 3, 13, 14, 19, and 24. Love to see 14 getting some love. To make a horrible pun, Kevin, I'm digging him. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go into Zach next here. And we'll do, because Zach was pretty in-depth, too. Zach had WrestleMania 4, and he says right away it wasn't the best card, but it was the first WrestleMania he ever watched. Had a lot of nostalgia for it. He loved the tournament format. He also had 14, because he was there. He had WrestleMania 3, uh, WrestleMania, his number 3 pick was WrestleMania 18, rather. And that was because of Hogan and Rock. And Taker and Flair. I mean, you got to give it to Hogan and Rock was just tremendous. Although I will say this. Try watching that match without the crowd. It doesn't probably hold up as well. Ten makes this list as well. Brett Owen, Razor, HBK ladder match. And Brett getting the title off of Yoko. Not a bad mania. Got to watch that one with my boy AJ here. That's right. We've been friends that long. Watch that live. And number one was WrestleMania 30. Basically because he loved the Brian story of Daniel Bryan winning it. And he did say it was so historic Brock and industry. Never saw it coming. 
I gotta tell you, all around good list except for WrestleMania 4. We've known Zach since he was a young lad and only about five foot ten. And I can tell you he's a wrestling fan through and through. So the fact that he put that horrible, horrible tournament with no good matches on it inside of the bracket, I'm I'm absolutely shocked and shell-shocked. I'm gonna argue 30 was like a modern classic and might be bringing might have brought back the name of WrestleMania for a year. Mm. With that Brian story. Absolutely. Now, Jason D'Augustino from Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group had WrestleMania 3, 4, and 5, 17, and 2000. Wow. Uh, AJ, you want to read one off here? Uh, oh, sure. How about our what boy, about? Logan Creed? MLW hey, no, superstar Logan Creed. Sorry, AJ. He actually ruined what I was going to say. I was going to say, wait a minute, are you talking about MLW superstar Logan Creed? Logan Creed with a great list here. Really the only flaw in there we'll talk about in a second. We've got 19, which is Austin's last match. We've got 31, which we already talked about. It was a shame what they did to Sting. We've got 20, and then we've got one of my least favorite WrestleManias, WrestleMania 3, and then 17. And Logan Creed has actually something to promote this week. July 19th, he will be wrestling on a show at the Furniture Factory in Huntsville, Alabama. Tickets are $20. This is for New South Pro Wrestling. The bell time is 7 p.m. And for more information, you can dial 256-324-9096 or just look up Furniture Factory Bar and Grill on Facebook for information. The really cool part about this is that without my glasses on, Logan Creed looks like Hawk in that picture. He looks like a giant Luke Gallows if you ever get to like see. No, no, no. I know he looks like that in general, just without my glasses. Yeah, Logan, love you, buddy. Now Ryan Damon from Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group had three, fourteen, seventeen, thirty, and thirty-five. Awesome. 35 might be the newest one that pops up on any list, I'm guessing. Also, Royce Isaacs, former guest of the show, and another NWA superstar. Also, tremendous artist. Yes, artwork. Check it out, at Royce Isaacs on his Twitter. He's got some great drawings you want to check out there. I like to see that people are expressing their art in other ways than wrestling. And I think during the pandemic is a really good time to see what else guys can do. Now, Royce told us to check out his art, and I was like, holy shit. Like, Mm. you hear about people drawing, but it's not too often you're like, you have to check out what this guy is doing. Just like with Jake St. John's poetry. Yeah. Dave, we're not talking about your photographs. Please put those away. <laughs> so give us Royce's list now that we spent a minute putting him over. Yeah, because he's great. 17, 20, 30, 21, and 10. Obviously, I think 17 is good. No three on his list, though. So that's interesting. I wonder if it's different being in the business, how you look at right. WrestleMania. Well, that's why I kind of wanted some input. Like when Sal asked me, should I give you some input? I was interested. Oh, yeah. yeah you like, want to see the thought process behind it. Exactly. Do you look at it as a worker or are you always in that place as a fan? Yeah, and I'll say this too. Even if I want to say it was with Danny Moff, I asked this too. I like to ask these guys sometimes about their fandom. Like when they start off as a fan of wrestling, but then you get into business, do you change what you like and what you look for? Well, some of the things that can change is quite frankly when you meet some of your heroes and it can actually. Well, that. Yeah. Chip, but it can change how you look at their matches from there True. when you realize what they put into a match i can tell you from working with like snooker when you work a match with him the match is not the same as watching a match later did you feel happy getting out of that match alive i felt happy getting out of that locker room alive all right what so the next list is jeremy marshall from rock and randy's rock and wrestling group he had wrestlemania two three five 
15, and 17. A lot of early ones. It's surprising to see kind of where some people's cutoffs are. Do you have any more listings? Nope, that's all I got for my group. All right, so Benji Fido from Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group had probably the earliest list of Matt of WrestleManias. It's one, three, four, five, and six. His name is Benji Fido. That's what he puts on Facebook. I don't question it. Benji and Fido. That's kind of uh, two dog names. Hey, like Kayfabe. Kayfabe mm-hmm. is a lot. Scott alive. from Ballentown has three, eight, ten, twenty, and I didn't write down the fourth. Oh. We'll so just, we'll we're going to assume it's one. We're going to search yeah. in my phone real quick because I can do these messages quick. Mm-hmm. Or we can just talk to you in between. Guys, while he's looking that up, please make sure you're tuning in to the Working Fans Podcast every week. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Twitter to make us a list. And now uh, here comes... It was Mania 17. Yes. And also you can message Joe about that it, t-shirt. Yeah, if you want a t-shirt, guys, $10 Jesse from New Hampshire has three... <laughs> 14, 16, 17, and 21. If you want a t-shirt, feel free to email us at workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We'll figure out the details afterwards. You can Joe reach out. will single-handedly get back to you as he is spearheading this mystery I mean, obvi- about the t-shirts. Obviously, I'm going to be the one doing this. I mean... <laughs> You can also I mean, reach out to us. I just want to make that clear. Hey, wait a minute. Don't we have a website they can reach out to us and get a t-shirt? Joe, did you start that website? <laughs> WorkingPinsWrestlingPod.com. I'll give you my list because, Jesus Christ, I'm putting in 24 hours today. We got 3, 6, 10, 30, and 31. I included 31 because that's almost where my love of modern WrestleMania has just died. If that one was good, but anything after that, I mean... I was in Orlando for, was it 32? Or no, 32 was Dallas. 33, right? 33 was Orlando. And I was waiting for the Wrestling Revolver show to start for WrestleMania to get out. Mm. That's where The Undertaker fucking retired first. Mm. I waited till 1.10 a.m. for people to file from the stadium to that show. Scott can tell you, at one point I asked for the keys so I could go sleep in the car. Mm. And I was woken up by Michael Elgin, apparently, went out the back door, somebody locked it on him, and I woke up to the sounds of him banging on the door. Huh. Not I'm just in glad any, that's all he was banging yeah, on. Yeah, not in any, it wasn't anything bad. It was almost like one of those things where you went outside, the door closes behind you, and it's, guys, let me in. I'm just glad it wasn't a girl getting away from him. Thank God we can edit that out. AJ, <laughs> what's your list for top WrestleManias that won't top be WrestleManias. against? This is an easy one, folks. Top WrestleManias. We've got... WrestleMania 10, which is one of my all-time favorites, where we got to see Kona Crush versus Randy Savage. You hated that match. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. It's the rest of the card that I liked. My yeah, bad. Yeah. Let's see, 14, which I went to see with my lifelong friend, Dave, Good where we ass. got to see the beginning of the Steve Austin era. 17, because to me, that's where Austin and Rock were at their best, and it's the pinnacle of the Attitude Era, and I thought it was absolutely incredible. I like 19, because that's the last time Austin wrestled, and knowing that he gave it everything he had with the amount of injuries and the way he was beat up in that match, I just have a tremendous appreciation for that. And then my final WrestleMania is WrestleMania 30. To me, 30 is the last good WrestleMania. Anything after that has been trash. Dave, we have one last list. Right, what did baby. you like for favorite WrestleMania? My favorite WrestleMania of all time is WrestleMania 3. Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat still holds up to me. It's the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. That being said, you also had Hogan and Andre, the most historic match of all time. 
And you also had Roddy Piper retiring for the first time against Adrian Adonis. Rest in peace. Very entertaining. Both of them. 14, because I was there. They were my best friend, Jeff Way. And, uh, just kidding. <laughs> but that was a great moment. We saw the beginning of the uh, Austin era. It was huge. I really enjoyed that WrestleMania. That Boston crowd was electric. WrestleMania 17, it's just one of the best uh, WrestleMania of all time. Bell to bell from first match to end. My particular favorite match on that was actually Undertaker and Triple H. There you go, Joe. Off-camera stuff here, and WrestleMania 30 is also one of my favorite because of the Daniel Bryan story, as many people pointed out. I do want to also say that WrestleMania 20 is my number fifth spot, which a lot of people didn't mention, but I did love it because it ended with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero embracing, and at that time that meant something to me, and that was a special card. Sadly, it all ends with Chris Benoit, but um, now that we've made it to our top three, <laughs> it's easy to say three, ten, and fourteen made the cut. Mm. 30 should have made the cut for its Daniel Bryan story. But before I drop the top three on you, AJ wanted to say something. No, AJ, what do you No, got? the only thing that I want to say is I make I want to make a recommendation because, you know, me and Dave, we talked about this. We went to WrestleMania 14. If you want to truly enjoy a wrestling event, the key to it is to drive up hmm. with a third person who knows nothing about wrestling and spends <laughs> the whole night just criticizing the main event. That was a good time. <laughs> so now that 3, 10, and 14 made the list, what's the first one to cut? I'm going to assume since you guys both went to 14, that 3 doesn't hold water to 10 or 14. Here's the thing. It's actually probably wrong that 17 doesn't make this list. Because 14 is getting a lot of biasness because a lot of us in this area actually went to go see WrestleMania 14. So 14 you know, popped up on a lot more lists than 17 from what I saw. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't know, have your list written down. As Sal would say it is a sacrilegious almost not to have WrestleMania 17 in your top pick. So 30 and 17 will be our honorable mention. Absolutely, absolutely. So now who to get rid of, though? I think three is the most historic WrestleMania of all time, no matter how you slice it. It's the highest grossing. Highest grossing. I mean, Andre Hogan? Like, that's the legendary man. Like, Al Snow brought this point up one point, too. It's like... Yeah, everybody talks about how great Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage was that, but what drew the house? And it's a money-making business. And out of all these matches, was there bigger money, bigger business than Andre Hogan even to this So day? what do you feel more comfortable with dropping between 10 and 14? I say let's drop, ooh, I'm going to say drop 10. I know it's a classic we grew up on, but... I agree with the undropped 10. I do want to say one thing about drawing the house on um, WrestleMania 3. I think for those of us that remember the segment in Piper's Pit when Andre the Giant tore the cross off Hulk Hogan and left him bleeding from where the cross scratched him. You cried. No, but I I actually cheered for Andre, which Mm -hmm. you already know. However, it's one of the most iconic moments in the history of wrestling, and it is something that did build that house, and you do have to give credit to Hulk Hogan and Andre for that match. But I agree with you in dropping um, 10. Yeah, 10's got to go, unfortunately. I like 10, but sorry, guys. Okay, we're dropping 10. So now we're between 3 and 14, and this is almost... Does your memory of going to the event top the house that three did? So what are we talking about here? Is it our, our favorite time? Because my favorite time was WrestleMania 14. So, going to a major event like that live was an absolute blast. Or is it what's the more legendary WrestleMania? I mean, yes, you're beginning the Austin era. Pretend you're watching both of these on DVD. What were the other matches on 14? 
<laughs> Owen Hart and Triple H did wrestle. There was a tag battle royal with the new <laughs> Legion of Doom and Sonny. <laughs> Alright guys, so WrestleMania 3 wins. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that I, question would. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of the bias of going because I mean, yeah. we went to what? Money in the Bank? Sure. Yeah, what is that? No, we went to tables, ladders, and chairs in Boston. Yeah. What made it we went to NXT. Yeah. We went to the Pritchard in New York. What made it easy for me, and I'll be cut and dry with this to choose three, is the simple fact is does 14 even make the list if so many of us weren't there? I don't know if Jesse from New Hampshire was necessarily there. It was a great time Kevin to be a Dignam, wrestling fan. Maybe. Yeah, it was a great time. But when you just look at what holds up for so many years, I just think you definitely. Fourteen go was in that golden age of. Fourteen was in the height of wrestling fandom. Yes. Let's say. Yeah. WrestleMania three was more in that golden age because was that the one where they did it from three areas? No, no, that was two the year before. Yes. That was two. All right. This so Pontiac Silverdome. So they're coming off. The mistake of running three venues. Right. They end up in the Superdome. Sure. Yeah, WrestleMania three is just that classic. Still holds the record. Yeah. So guys, you know what the music means. Yeah. WrestleMania three is the top. AJ doesn't listen to the show. He doesn't know what that is. That's all right. So WrestleMania three is the top WrestleMania. Thanks for joining us, guys. And hopefully next time you hear this, we'll be doing it with couple more mics and a little bit cleaner thank you guys thank you for listening to the 531 here on youtube this week if you like what you're here you can always find us on anchor fm google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocket cast radio public and on the apple podcast where you can subscribe and also give us a five-star rating we appreciate you listening we want your feedback 531 and if you agree with us if you disagree with us, we also want you to let us know and let us know what your 531 would be. Come up with a top five and let us know and we'll tell you why you're wrong. And in order for us to do that, please contact us on Twitter, we're at Fans Working, Facebook page, Working Fans Wrestling Pod, email WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. It's very important that you actually contact us on these platforms because we want this to be your interactive place to talk wrestling. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 